Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. It's Thursday, June 30th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. This week, in a surprise hearing from the January 6th committee, we heard from Cassidy Hutchinson, who was an aide to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. At the hearing, she detailed many instances that Trump knew of the possible violence at the Capitol and some examples of extreme anger from the president. She told a story about Trump grabbing the steering wheel of a security detail, demanding that they take him to the Capitol. And also, an instance where he threw a plate at the wall after William Barr said there was no fraud in the election. Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill, joins us for what, if anything legally, may come from the hearings. Next, since the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade, trigger laws in various states have been put into effect, and the focus has turned to providing continued access for women if needed. What we are seeing is an uptick in demand for abortion pills, which could also set up new legal battles in the states with those bans. Also known as medication abortion, it accounted for 54% of all abortions in 2020 because it is less invasive, less expensive, and pills can be received by mail. Pam Bellick, health and science reporter at the New York Times, joins us for what to know. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. There were several times throughout my tenure at the Chief of Staff that I was aware of him either throwing dishes or flipping the tablecloth um, to let all the contents of the table go onto the floor and Joining us now is Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Thank you for having me. Well, we've been following along with what's going on with the January 6th committee and the various hearings that they've been having this past Tuesday, we heard from Cassidy Hutchinson. She was an aide to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. And up to this point, you know, she's probably had some of the most insider knowledge, I guess, that we've seen uh, that was going on. You know, we've been hearing a lot of different things in testimony, but she was, uh, you know, hearing stories of exactly what was happening with President Trump during that day and just kind of the anger that he was going through, some of the explosiveness that was happening. Julia, walk us through some of the the top takeaways uh, that we heard from Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony. 
Well, I think there were a number of takeaways that left a lot of people in Washington and across the country pretty shocked. It really, I think, showed what the state or allegedly what the state of President Trump's mind was that day. I think the number one takeaway was her recounting of, you know, this is a secondhand account she had heard from someone else, that President Trump went as far as to lunge at the driver of his motorcade while in the car and as the head of his security detail when he wanted to go to the Capitol, but his security had deemed it too unsafe for him due to the crowd there, and he was dead set on going to the Capitol. So that was definitely the number one takeaway, the thing that's gotten a lot of headlines in Washington. Another takeaway is the fact that he apparently knew the crowd was dangerous. You know, during his rally or right before his rally at the White House Ellipse, he was told that a number of people could not come in because they had weapons. However, he did not seem to care that they had weapons. He wanted a crowd there. And that's such an important piece of information because we know during that rally, he said to viewers and people there at the rally that they were going to march to the Capitol. So knowing that these people could have potentially been dangerous and were armed. So I think those were the top two takeaways, just showing, you know, how the president knew how dangerous or allegedly knew how dangerous the situation was. And Mark Meadows himself, right? So Hutchinson was one of his aides. She was privy to some of the conversations. She heard a lot of other conversations. The same went for him, too. There was uh, just kind of a a blasé attitude with what was going on. The president didn't care about some of the weapons. He was like, I don't care either. You know, it's not a big deal. There was reports that he would uh, rarely look up from his phone during some of these things because that's how little he thought of what was going on. It paints a picture of you know, like I said, where the president's mind was that day. And it appears that the president's mind was, you know, getting his message across and was very, um, you know, he was very inward looking. He wanted this to be a rally about him. He wanted his supporters to be out and about, and he was willing to go to multiple lengths or any length really to get there. So absolutely, I think that it paints that picture. There was another uh, story of President Trump and just kind of how angry he was getting at all of this stuff. I I guess he had a penchant for throwing Dishes. There was one instance when Bill Barr had said in an interview there was no evidence of widespread fraud in the election. He threw a plate of food at the wall. There was ketchup dripping down the wall from the wall. Hutchinson herself said she, uh, you know, helped by getting a towel and helped cleaning it. There's probably been a lot of angry moments in the presidency across all, the, you know, the many different administrations. But just again painting that picture. And uh, one of the other things that we saw with this too was a deep worry of legal exposure for President Trump and the White House with regards to going to the Capitol. We saw Mark Meadows and Giuliani, all of them try to petition Trump to give them pardons even. Yeah, absolutely. I think those were that was another takeaway as well, that Giuliani and Chief of Staff Mark Meadows were asking for pardons, and that would somehow indicate that they knew something, uh, they, they were doing something, or those around them was doing something wrong. So, Definitely, you know, it sort of goes into also the narrative about those Republican congressmen asking for pardons, just showing how they were very much trying to take cover after they knew that this wasn't going to go their way. Now, one of the big questions in all of this is what, if anything, legally 
would come from these hearings. This isn't a, a you know an official body, a, a law enforcement body, so you know it's not subject to the same types of rules and all. And that's specifically the case with Cassidy Hutchinson herself. So legally, in a court of law, you might deem some of her testimony hearsay, something that she didn't experience firsthand. This was things that she heard from other people, but she was in a lot of the rooms when some of this stuff happens. She heard it directly from principal people in those rooms as far as her testimony goes. And so how do, what do we make of that, at least, on the legal front of things? I think from the legal front, look, the, the January 6th committee, I think, knew that a lot of this would be perceived as hearsay. They knew that there would be challenges to her accounts, many of which were secondhand accounts. Like, for example, uh, there's been reporting that the driver of that car that the president wanted him to take him to the Capitol has, you know, is willing to testify under oath that that did not take place or that account is untrue. So they knew that. But I think, you know, this is all about them trying to prove intent to prove that there was, you know, a concerted effort, that President Trump knew what he was doing was wrong, that there was malice or, uh, you know, he knew that he was being counseled by the appropriate people and was not listening to their counsel. So, you know, they don't have the jurisdiction to press charges, but I think the question is, will the Justice Department, and I think that's where this testimony plays a key role, but we'll have to see if the Justice Department accepts that. Yeah, there's still some key timeline issues. Uh, You know, if the story is true about President Trump really getting angry and wanting to go to the Capitol, were the rioters already attacking the Capitol? Were they fully inside already? And did he still want to go at that moment. You know, that part of the timeline hasn't been revealed yet. But you're right. This is really up to the Justice Department, the FBI. They're doing their own investigation and we'll see what comes of there. Overall, still, it seems that Republicans have largely not really paid attention to what's going on in these hearings. We know that uh, everybody's on their own sides of things and don't really care. A lot of them are saying this is just all another sham. But some of this stuff is, is just really hard to uh, square away with right now. Yeah, some of it is. And you're seeing a number of, you know, some conservative editorial boards here in the uh, in Washington, including the Washington Examiner coming out against Trump in the wake of this testimony. But look, you know, does this impact Trump's standing within the Republican Party? You know, whether he gets the support of key committees like the Republican National Committee, you know, at this point, I doubt it. But you have to wonder, um, with this constant slew of negative headlines about the president, would they want to push back against that? Yeah, there was a a recent CBS YouGov poll conducted last week. About 70% of Democrats are following the hearings, some or a lot, just about a quarter of Republicans are following that and even half of less than half of independents. So, uh, you know, we'll see what uh, continues to happen in these hearings. There maybe be one or two more, but we'll see what more we get from that. Julia Manchester, national political reporter at The Hill. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. 
So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Through our medication abortion pickup um, van, we could probably see about 50 patients a day. And for our procedure van doing um, first trimester manual vacuum aspiration, we can do about 16 a day. Joining us now is Pam Bellick, health and science writer at the New York Times. Thanks for joining us, Pam. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Well, everybody's still uh, dealing with the aftermath of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. You know, there was a lot of states that had these trigger laws that were going to affect basically banning abortion immediately or over a period of 30 days. Some of those states are, are taking a little longer to do some of that. And everybody's looking toward the next step. How do we continue to provide access for women? And abortion pills are taking the spotlight in this sense. And there's probably going to be a lot of legal challenges with regards to how women uh, have access to this. There's a bunch of states that, um, you know, allow for this. It's called medication abortion. You can get the pills sent to you by mail, things like that. But for women that aren't in these states, there's a lot of loopholes. There's a lot of stuff, the wrangling that they're going to have to do to get access. It, it all becomes very difficult. So, Pam, help us walk through some of this. What are we seeing how abortion pills are now taking the spotlight on this? Medication abortion, which involves two pills that patients can take like a day or two apart, and can be used up until 10 weeks into a pregnancy. So it's early in a pregnancy, but many, many people who are seeking to terminate a pregnancy know within that time period. So what's been happening in recent years is that more and more people have been choosing that option because it's less expensive, it's less invasive than having um, having to have surgery. And so... It already has become, you know, something that patients are choosing. The difficulty, as you mentioned, is that if you're in a state that is kind of banning all access to abortion or just sort of sharply limiting access to abortion, then it's going to make, you know, access to to everything, including these pills, much, much harder. And so patients are going to have to travel to states where it is legal. And that's going to involve, and it's already happening, people are already doing that now. Um, They were doing it sort of to have an uptick when we got the leaked draft of the Supreme Court opinion. So that's already happening. But even since Friday, when the decision came down, organizations that provide medication abortion are just getting a surge in requests. And many of those are coming from patients in states where there are already bans or there are likely to be bans. And so those patients are traveling across the border. Some of them are visiting clinics, but you don't actually have to do that. You can just be just across the border in a state where it's legal, and you can use your phone or your computer to have a consultation with a doctor who is able to prescribe these pills. 
and then you can either go in and get them from that doctor or you can get them mailed to you as long as it is to an address in the state where it's legal. So you could even just be staying in a motel and have the pills mailed to you at the motel or at a post office box or a friend right. who you know in that state. That's, so that is that, that's one that of the, going to be more and more common. That's one of the most interesting things about this is that in a lot of states and a lot of places, right, the access to these pills has become so much easier. As you mentioned, you can do a consultation with a doctor by video, phone, in person, or even filling out an online form. And But they track your IP address. That's why, you know, if you're a woman in a state that has banned abortions, you have to drive over the state line. And just being over the state line is enough. They can track your IP address and then boom, you can have the access to it. But you're right, you'd have to get it mailed to the appropriate addresses and everything. So it's just so weird how this has all been happening. And to your point, some of these organizations that are helping provide access, they're even sending vans like mobile centers, uh, mobile uh, uh, abortion clinics kind of things. I think there's a company called abortion delivered so they're sending uh, like vans to borders of states so that women don't have to travel as far inland if they don't have to yeah and that's something that's just starting this week actually in colorado there's an organization called just the pill and they have already been you know providing telemedicine abortion and mailing abortion pills for a couple of years now but they are just starting to have a fleet of vehicles, vans, that will sort of roam the borders of inside the borders of states where it's legal that are either, you know, next to or close to a lot of states where bans um, are happening. So the one in Colorado is probably expecting um, patients from, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, which is, you know, close by, um, maybe Utah, maybe on the other end of Colorado, South Dakota. You know, these are all sort of states that have these trigger bans or are going to have bans soon. And so, you know, and they're going to keep the clinic kind of on the move so that they can try to avoid protesters and that kind of thing. And also so they can make it as convenient as possible for, for people who are coming from different locations in other states. And so where do the legal challenges come in from now? Because, you know, if a woman can do her own interstate travel, she can go to a nearby state, get it all done, all that. But where do the legal challenges come from? We don't know exactly, but there are a number of possibilities. And a lot of it depends on what states that have bans, how far they're going to go to try to kind of enforce those bans and try to prosecute people. So they could try to reach across their borders and slap a lawsuit on a doctor in Colorado, for example. That will likely, you know, be challenged, and it's quite possible that a state will be able to protect its own provider. Um, So um, Colorado will be able to protect that provider from a lawsuit, but that doesn't mean that it will stop a state like Texas from trying to file such a suit or prosecute in some way, because part of the reasoning behind uh, a a state like that taking such an action is, even if it doesn't think it will stand up in court, it sort of instigates a kind of fear factor, a kind of chilling effect. And so... Just by going after somebody like that, it it may, you know, make providers scared, make patients scared. The other thing that states could do, and this would be, you know, really uh, significant because typically states have 
tried to stay away from kind of going after the pregnant person themselves. You know, it's just not really a good look. It's not really popular to try to put, you know, a woman who's, you know, pregnant in jail. But that may end up being the only kind of legal option that a state that has a ban has because it may be that the pregnant person is the only person who actually is in that state, right? She goes across state lines, sure. gets the medication abortion, and then comes home, presumably. And so she may be the only person who actually is within the state lines, you know, to be prosecuted. So that's something that people are really, you know, um, you know, worried about and, and watching for. Last question I have on all of this is because a medication abortion accounted for 50% of all abortions um, this is uh, from 2020, so it, it's increasingly popular, as you mentioned. It's less invasive, less expensive, all of that. Um, but there's still, obviously, you know, this movement to limit all of this access. Uh, anti-abortion groups would say that this is unsafe still. They'll, they'll call it chemical abortion. Um, but the FDA has approved this, and it's been approved for quite some time now, and they say that it is continues to be very safe. Yeah, and they, there has been, you know, really kind of a mountain of evidence um, since these drugs have been approved, you know, 20 years ago, that medication abortion is really quite safe. Um, you know, very small percentage of, of complications um, in, you know, a, a minority of cases patients need to kind of go into the hospital to, you know, basically it doesn't work completely. It doesn't expel the pregnancy completely. And so they may need to go into the hospital to have additional um, uh, help with that. But, you know, in terms of safety for uh, for the, the pregnant patient, it's really quite safe. Yeah. And, um, you know, pregnancy itself, carrying a pregnancy to term, um, poses a lot of health risks. It, it, it can be quite unsafe for a pregnant person. So if you're weighing um, that option, you know, it's really important to take that into account. Well, we'll see how all of this continues to develop, all right? The conversations around this are going to keep going as, the, as uh, these groups do continue to try to provide access for women, and this could be the next step. We're already seeing demand for birth control and these abortion pills uh, uh, rising, where uh, the reports of people stockpiling up on Plan B, you know, so it's a, it's quite the situation going on. So we'll see how this continues. Pam Bellick, health and science writer at the New York Times, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment. Give us a rating and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.